there were some uh, global riders that are now being software developers in IT consultancy companies. And uh, so we changed their lives. But the most important thing is that they changed my life too. I'm Matteo Anthony Mistretta, and you're listening to Gut Talks, double G, U, double T. Hi everyone, Maria here, and welcome to season one of Gut Talks, Gut, double G, U, double T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design and gut feelings. Our guest is a software engineer, lecturer, keynote speaker, actor, musician, and founder of the Inglorious Coders company and community, and is a man of many talents. Now, Anthony describes himself as Ice of Fire, which is his GitHub nickname, and GitHub is for software developers. And his real secret weapon is understanding the value of translation and transmission, and understanding how to use it with a younger generation and less privileged individuals. In this episode, Matteo Anthony Mistretta, Anthony without an H, talks about why and how he's building this remarkable journey that seems to balance everything he's passionate about and doing it on his own terms. So, Anthony, what's up? Hey, hi Maria, thanks for hosting me. Uh, yeah, the, the nickname Ice and Fire comes from uh, my first open source project, my first open source contribution to the world. It was a game called Threats on Fire. And uh, since I've always been called Ice when I was young, I decided to call myself Ice and Fire and this name remained on GitHub. But uh, yeah, the name I care most is this Inglorious Coders brand that you were mentioning yeah. a while ago. It's the brand under which I became a freelancer five or six years ago. And it's also the name of the community of code enthusiasts and the passionate developers uh, that have been building uh, during these, the, these years. Since we jumped into that a little bit, uh, we can start off by, you know, what have you been doing uh, over the last several years? What have you been working on? Well, since I went freelance, I started doing uh, half of the time uh, coding projects. So I'm helping small, medium or big businesses uh, develop their own uh, solutions. And I'm also spending half of my time in uh, courses, teaching. I am a teacher. And for professional, um, for professional schools, I am a teacher uh, for different companies. They, they just hire me to, to give uh, courses on special technologies or software engineering methods. And recently, I also started doing some uh, courses for universities, one in Australia and one in Italy. So, so you're teaching uh, students how to, how to code, right? And, uh, yes, I'm mostly applying the concepts that I learned my set by myself uh, to the code. And I'm also teaching my darkest secrets about code, which are not really secrets, actually. They are just uh, uh, important patterns and methodologies that you can find yourself online. But a teacher is always a good way to find information more easily and maybe present them in a more organic way and most also in a fun and engaging way. So you just uh, don't waste your time in doing your own research. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a topic uh, that's quite um, interesting. And we're going to jump into that. But um, you're, you, you told me, I mean, before this call that your, your work is going great and, you know, you can grow so much as well and so on. And you're doing many things. 
and software developers in general and good software de- developers are in demand. Uh, so this is why, you know, you're, you're kind of busy as well. But what is it that's making you dedicate quite a bit of your time in teaching? And when I say teaching is not only at university level, but it's also teaching for free because you are, you're creating this community and you, you want to help develop or create this new generation of software developers somehow. Yes, there's a huge demand for developers. And the problem is that the offer is not usually made comprised of uh, skilled developers. Because the problem is that we have so many sources from where we can teach, uh, we, we can learn developing. Um, of course, one of them is university. I did university. I graduated in computer engineering. I have a master's degree in computer engineering. But it was not enough, not at all, because I couldn't learn the, the know-how. I learned a lot of theoretical stuff, but it was not enough to be productive in the workplace environment. So I had to study a lot more and I had to practice a lot more. This is the fundamental part. Coding is still um, a very intellectual activity which uh, requires lots of uh, logics, of course, but lots of creativity too. And uh, you have to acquire the skill. So you have to practice, create your own projects, um, you have to do a lot of work before uh, calling yourself a good software developer. Uh, unfortunately, my university didn't have so many uh, practical courses uh, with practical exercises, with real-world cases. And I see that lots of uh, other schools, private or public, are still not in that spot. They are still... Uh, maybe they are teaching only the practical side without any theoretical knowledge, or maybe they are too theoretical without giving the time to practice. So uh, in my experience, I acquired lots of uh, knowledge uh, about software engineering. And when I say software engineering, I mean that it's really easy to write code, but it's quite difficult to write good code. In fact, there are so many uh, software engineering practices out there called such like uh, clean code or design patterns or agile development, which a lot of people know about, but not many people really practice on these methodologies. So I created a set of courses uh, with practical examples that explain the theoretical part, but also put every concept in practice and allow to appreciate these concepts. This is part of my paid courses usually. But at a certain point, I decided that I want to uh, to, to expand a little more and make this kind of knowledge, which is already available there on the internet for free, I wanted to make it available and uh, noti- noticeable by many people. And I don't care about having uh, a reward for that other than the satisfaction of doing something good for, for the rest of for, for the world. So at a certain point, I decided to you know, create something like uh, a free course that I could uh, deliver online. And uh, it's a course that teaches the basics of uh, programming language. Well, actually, three programming languages because uh, the three programming languages of the web, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And uh, this course has the excuse uh, of teaching those languages, but actually it's also a course about this uh, methodologies, the software engineering methodologies. 
such as, as I was mentioning before, clean code, etc. Uh, I wasn't really sure about delivering this course for free. Uh, I was not sure about the platform to use. But then the European Innovation Academy gave me this opportunity to speak publicly in front of a huge class of young entrepreneurs, of young students. And uh, the feedback, the really positive feedback that I received convinced me that I could go this way. And I started to understand that I really prefer live shows rather than recorded shows. So what's a good way to uh, deliver uh, a show online for free live? Well, there are many options, uh, such as, for example, YouTube or even Facebook, Instagram, etc. But I started to look at Twitch and I decided that that was the platform that I would, I would love to, to use. Uh, for many reasons, one of them is that it allows for more engagement, it allows for, for a chat, a live chat that uh, allows me to interact with my students, and uh, it has a lot of cool features that I really love about Twitch. So I, on uh, October 17th, which was my birthday, I started this course, uh, this coding academy, the Inglorious Academy, which I, uh, this is the name that I, that I gave to this course. So I took the occasion to celebrate my birthday with uh, all the new friends. And and who are you targeting? Who's your audience? And why would they come to you rather than... Because you said that um, you can't find a lot of this information online, you know, by doing a simple Google search. Uh, whereas it's, how can I become a coder? Or how, how can I learn software development? Or, you know, and there are also... Um, subtle differences across them. So, well, the, the real problem with every topic actually is the lack of uh, motiva- motivation and commitment. This is the real problem. Everyone can learn by themselves. I am also self-taught in many in many fields. For example, music. You mentioned that I am also uh, a musician, a singer, or something like that, and it's true. Well, I'm not a professional. I'm an, an, an amateur. A musician, but I play guitar, I play the sax, I play the bass, I play the harp. So there's many instruments that I'm trying by myself. And I'm pretty sure that without uh, a proper teacher, without a guidance, uh, it took me longer than with a teacher to learn some stuff. And I will probably never reach the high level that professionals have because I don't have a teacher that is guiding me and is making me practice on the right things and is not giving me the right information at the right time. So I think that uh, you can learn by yourself because the, the information is out there. But if you lack motivation, if you lack guidance, if you need something more, if you need um, a passionate teacher that can transmit the passion to you, well, this is something that I can provide. I, I am teaching, I have been teaching for many years in multiple contexts. Uh, the latest, one of the latest courses that I gave is actually one of the courses that gave me much more satisfaction. It was a course made for refugees because uh, Power Coders, uh, Coding Academy for Refugees, started their pilot edition in Italy last year. And uh, we created a class of 20 refugees coming from different places, from Africa and the Middle East. And uh, we delivered this course. It was uh, three months long. 
And it went really good. I think, well, we know for sure that we changed multiple lives. There were some uh, global riders that are now being software developers in IT consultancy companies. And uh, so we changed their lives. But the most important thing is that they changed my life too. I, I felt so heartwarmed by this experience that I wanted to continue doing this kind of stuff and maybe doing, doing it on a global scale. I didn't want to do this anymore for refugees only. I wanted to do this for everyone, every human being, not a course for, for refugees or for women or for children or for the elderly, for anyone. Just, you just need a computer and an internet connection and I can provide this free course for you. Uh, especially in these days of uh, pandemic, of course, of economic recession, I have friends that lost their jobs because they probably, maybe they, they were working in the tourism field, for example. And I wanted to help them. And as I want to help my friends, I also want to help some, some uh, future friends that I will have. And, uh, and this is a good occasion for me to mix everything that I know and that I love. I have a passion for coding. I have a passion for teaching. I have experience as an actor, as a theater actor, because I did many years of acting. And uh, this is a good occasion to do some high quality edutainment for everybody to enjoy. So my target is actually every human being that wants to learn a new skill, especially those who are in need of a new skill. And probably in these hard times, they may be lack motivation. I really hope that anyone that watches my stream feels the positive vibes. And I already know about some of my students told me that I'm transmitting these positive vibes and I'm making them passionate about the subject. This is my, my goal. So you, you mentioned a few interesting uh, points, actually. You spoke about what made you confident in going ahead and starting, you know, your own stream or, or teaching, but, you know, with a banner, not just I do it behind the scenes, but I'm there and I'm, I'm here to do it and I'm here to help. But you're also touching on an interesting point where you, you, you're not just a, um, you know, someone who's recording a video and putting it out there. You want to be a teacher and you want to guide. I find this, you know, very humble, especially in the sense that you could be doing a lot of or having more work to do, but you chose. And this is why I said at your own terms at the beginning that you chose to do that really and genuinely uh, want to help because you believe that coding is, is accessible. It is, it's obviously not for everyone. People should have the passion and commitment, uh, as you mentioned. But going back to the in, initial, uh, topic, if you want, you said you went to school. You think it's important to have someone who's teaching you. You don't learn everything, obviously, you know, depending on the school or in the teachers you have and, and on the time and everything plays a role here. What do you think about formal education? Because one alone is not enough. And we both agree on that. How do you perceive this being self-taught coder or software engineer versus having a formal education, but also keeping learning every day? Because there are some amazing coders out there uh, who built amazing companies as well. Uh, I can tell you some of my experiences. So I graduated in computer engineering, as I said, and I thought for many years that that was almost not completely, but almost a waste of time because I could go with a professional course and I could easily find a job. And that's probably true. In fact, this is what happens right now 
as a teacher. I teach in professional schools to people that have no mathematical background. They just learn the right things and then they just find a job and that's fine. The theoretical part that I learned in, uh, at university was, uh, it's a part that I enjoyed because I loved most of the subjects that I learned so far at university. But uh, they proved themselves pretty useless until we started touching some topics. For example, the future of computing is probably quantum computing. And during the first lockdown in Italy, I spent my time doing many things, among which uh, I studied quantum computing by myself. And uh, I discovered that quantum computing is all about, well, mathematical operations on matrices, which is a concept that I learned at university something like more than 15 years ago. But every uh, one of those concepts were stored in the back of my head and came up at the right time. So it was really, really easy for me to, to learn quantum compute, the basics of quantum computing. I even wrote a couple of posts. I shared them with IBM, which is one of the, the main companies that are working on quantum computing. And the posts that I created on my blog were validated by IBM. They appreciated my, uh, my, my posts. So this is something that probably someone that just does a, a professional course will, will not reach. That theoretical part, which is really, really important uh, to have the proper mindset and also some of uh, the theoretical concepts that will probably be useful later on. Another example that I can give you is, well, a colleague of mine that had to create some routing algorithm. So they had to plan the path from point A to point B and he remembered about Dijkstra's algorithm that he learned in, uh, in, at university. So there are some concepts, well, for special problems that you have to solve, but those concepts are pretty important. One other thing that is really, really important, as I was mentioning, is the proper mindset. For example, in every scientific or uh, engineering-related university, you start... Uh, thinking as a scientist. So you apply the scientific method, you apply the experimental approach to things. So you see a phenomenon, you formulate a hypothesis, then you do experiments to disprove that hypothesis, and then you gather evidence and you, and you, you draw conclusions. If your conclusions uh, are disproven by some other experiments, then you have to change your beliefs based on that new evidence. This is something that I feel is really, really important. And in fact, uh, no professional schools that I know about teach the experimental approach when teaching JavaScript. But I do. I, I care to, to teach this kind of uh, approach to. I care to, to teach this mindset because it's not just about the programming language. It's the, it's the proper way of dealing with problems. And I think that those, those concepts can be also useful in life in general, because so many people are subject to what is called nowadays confirmation bias. People are convinced of something and then they try to prove that their hypothesis is true by performing some experiments that prove the hypothesis. But that's not the right approach. You have to perform experiments that disprove 
the hypotheses, not that prove them. So it's a, it's a very subtle thing, but it's, um, well, it, it's, you know, it's a bias that we have as human beings. It's a kind of um, a, a defect that our brain has. So we can overcome this defect by doing exercise and practicing on uh, doing the right experiments to disprove the hypothesis. This is something that was uh, almost mentioned in university and is never mentioned in professional schools. So I'm trying to do all everything together in a very short time. In fact, there are some students of mine, some former students of mine that tell me that uh, my courses are something like a whole university curriculum all condensed in a few weeks or in a few months. Well, that's an awesome compliment, actually. But I do agree with the practical aspect. And um, if you want being aligned with what's happening in the real world, um, I think it's not only in software engineering. It's uh, in in many areas, actually, where, you know, you finish from university and then you go to real life and you're like <laughs> discovering again from scratch. But then again, you might be lucky or meet some people along the way who might teach you some things, but you can, could eventually relate maybe to a concept or a word that maybe a teacher told you or some, you read in a book somewhere that would trigger something and help you, you know, move forward. I totally get you on that. And, and it's always rewarding, as you're saying, having some of your students telling you what's, what's working because this helps you, um, build a better course as well. And you're doing it live because you want this interaction and you're trying Yes, uh, yes. I want interaction and I want to do a kind of course that requires this level of interaction. Um, I'm sorry if I interrupted you, but another important feature of this kind of courses that I do is that they are mostly like a simulation of what happens in the real world. So I'm not a teacher behind a desk that knows everything at all and just explains you and I do a memory dump from my brain to yours. Yeah. This is not the kind of course that I do. I do uh, some sort of training on the job. So I, I, I say from the first moment and I prove from the first moment that I'm not perfect. I don't know everything, but I'm able to Google stuff on the internet, which is something that everyone nowadays yeah. is able to do. Uh, and software, most of software engineering and software development, uh, well, relies on the ability of, uh, of Googling the right stuff. Of doing, performing the right query on Google. So uh, my students know that I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. But if I ask myself a question or if my students ask a question, then we easily find the answer online. So a, a very important um, aspect of uh, software development is also this. And this is a concept that I learned from a movie, The Matrix, which everybody knows. In the Matrix, there is Trinity, who has to fly with a helicopter, but she doesn't know how to fly an helicopter. So Neo asks Trinity, do you know how to fly an helicopter? And she says, not yet. She learns the how to fly an helicopter in, you know, breeze, and then she's able to do that. Software development is all about this. We, have, we don't need to know everything by heart, but we need to know where to find the answers and to be productive as soon as possible with the answers that we found. And this is something that we do daily during our lessons together. 
And uh, I want also to involve my students in this process. So I'm asking a question. I'm not replying immediately. I try to ask them what is their opinion on that, uh, on that question or to do their own research. And then we can compare results and then we can move on. This is a really, really important thing that I, will, I would never be able to do with a recorded lesson. Okay. This leads me actually to, to asking you, do you trust your gut feeling when it's about making decisions? Sometimes you have two different options, let's say. How do you go ahead and uh, make this decision? I go a lot with my gut, yes. Uh, I think that experience can be probably um, identified by the amount of gut you're using in your decisions. So when you're a junior developer, you have to, uh, you have to read every single um, item that you see on Google's uh, results because every answer that you find is equally valid. But the more you practice and the more experience you get, the more you start to recognize that some uh, information is a little more valuable than some other. So you start going with your guts. And uh, yeah, I do a lot of gut feeling. And uh, there's also another principle in software development that relies on guts. And uh, I love it. It's called the principle of least astonishment. In fact, when you design something, um, a solution, a software, but probably also an interface, you have to uh, design it so the user will not be surprised or astonished by how it works. It should, it should feel comfortable to you. So sometimes when I develop software, maybe I don't read the whole documentation, but I rely on my gut and say, probably the developer of that library that I'm using wanted me to use the library like this. So most of the times I rely on my guts when I'm using a library in my source code because whenever I see, uh, whenever I have to use a library, I ask myself how the developer wants me to use this library. I try to use it as I would have developed the library and 90% of the time it works. Okay. So this is development by gut feeling. By I'm gut not feeling. <laughs> looking at, at, the, at, the, at the whole documentation. I'm looking at just the tutorial and then try to, you know, uh, find out by myself. It's all about gut feeling. Okay. And most of the times I see myself developing software that is, uh, well, yeah, higher quality than some other developers, but also I develop in a faster way, probably because I use my gut feelings more than uh, just pausing and documenting myself. Uh, well, in, in software, I don't know in other fields, but in software, you are able to, to do mistakes because you can recover easily. In software development, the only unrecoverable thing is a data leak or a data loss. But uh, otherwise, you can make mistakes. And uh, it's something that many software developers know and encourage. You have to make mistakes. You have to push forward. In GitHub, since you mentioned uh, GitHub, as a platform for developers to share their open source code. Well, in GitHub, there's this motto, which is ship it. As soon as you have something working, 
working, just, just ship it and see how it goes. If you made any mistakes, you can then recover. You can fix those mistakes. You can fix those bugs. But as soon as you've got something working, then just let it go. Interesting. Well, it's, it's been an, an absolute uh, pleasure talking to you. Fantastic discussion. Uh, I think we can go on for <laughs> a little more, actually, but um, short spells. So uh, this is Milan. Uh, this is the time. So uh, for people who want to find more about you uh, and what you're doing in your course, what are your social media handles and so on? So the problem is that my brand name is really hard to, to read and to write. It's Inglorious Coders with the final Z. So I encourage you to go to, well, www.ingloriouscoders.it or uh, just look for me on LinkedIn and then you can find every other handle anywhere else. Uh, my name is Matteo Anthony without an H, Mistretta, and you can easily find me on LinkedIn. Otherwise, if you're brave enough, you can look for Inglorious Coders on Google and you will probably find my Twitch channel, my YouTube channel, where I, uh, where I place all the recordings uh, of, uh, of Twitch. So you, if you missed any lesson, you can still catch up. And um, I've got the Instagram page, I've got the Facebook page. You can, you can find me pretty easily. I even got Twitter even though I don't use it. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. A quick wrap up. We spoke about being a software developer or coder, the difference between what you learn at university or what you learn um, by yourself or in a professional school. We spoke about the mindsets. We also spoke about how to tackle projects and the different approaches. And also why Anthony started doing coding for good, meaning teaching others to code, to overcome this economical situation, to find new jobs and create new opportunities. Thanks a lot. You were listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matlub. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast to listen to a new episode each week. If you enjoyed this episode, then please rate and review Gut Talks. If you'd like to ask a question, head over to gut.com wguwt.com and ask away. And don't forget to enroll in the free crash course on mastering working sessions with posters. Thanks for listening and see you next time.